there, folks. We are gathered here today to talk about how do some people deconstruct from religion. So we have a group of people that come from widely varying backgrounds who have agreed to be wonderful and share their journeys. So I'd like for each of you to go around and introduce yourself and give a little bit of background, like what type of a religion you were raised in and your name, if you feel comfortable. You want to go ahead, James? Oh, sure. Uh, I'm James. I was uh, raised as a Jehovah Witness, so one of those annoying people who came and knocked on your door every week and <laughs> tried to peddle literature to you. And uh, yeah, I, I left out of that just over three years ago now, when I finally when I finally explored my doubts and researched into my religion to find out that was it was all a bunch of bullshit okay thank you james you want to go next Lacey? okay i grew up uh southern baptist and pentecostal church of god which was very very close to mennonite as far as that goes um i started questioning it around age 12 13 and struggled for many many years with mental health um, a lot of, I think, uneducated, willfully ignorant and neglectful parenting choices by my parents and people of authority in my life. And about age 15, I got into an argument with a parent who was filling in for a youth pastor. And that ended up being a crazy situation. And over the last 15, 16 years, I've gone from that to agnostic to wanting to believe in something to just realizing the peace of mind and clarity I got when I finally just accepted that I really believe that it's just all bullshit and the freedom that you get from that is for me at least was the most clarity I've ever had in my in my life thank you so much for sharing that and I'm sorry you experienced that type of parenting do you I deserve to be that. treated better than that I and appreciate would you like that. would you like to go next Isaac Sure. Um, I'm Isaac. I was born to an atheist family who has like Jewish ancestry. Um, so I grew up not believing in God. My mom told me there's nothing after death, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I ended up falling into a cult when I was in high school, um, which kind of a strange cult structure because everybody in there was close in age, but we ended up going to some extremes in our behavior. Um, I was one of the recruiters for the cult. Uh, I was married to the cult leader, uh, a lot of sacrificing meat and thinking we we're going to die and all that kind of stuff. It was the narcissist who, and I was in the cult for five years and I left a little over a year ago after the cult leader went to jail. So. Did you mind sharing what the name of the cult was? Uh, he, he, we couldn't come up with a name. <laughs> we kind of just didn't call it anything. Kind of like because our our approach was just we know the truth about the world, so we didn't feel the need to. Wow! Thank you so much for sharing that, Isaac, and I'm really thankful that you're here with us today. I appreciate it. Would you like to go next, Bartimus? Uh, yes, my name is Bartimus. Uh, I am a former Southern Baptist minister. Uh, was in active ministry for about ten years, and was raised in the church. I was. 
you know, Christian school, top of my class, graduated with the Christian Soldier Award, and then went off to Bible college, um, and then served in active ministry before leaving. Wow. So you were a good Southern Baptist, huh? I, I think that's why I left, was I was a bad one. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I always say I was a bad Amish, so like I mean, when you start obviously. talking about like community action and helping the poor and marginalized communities in your area, that makes you a bad Southern Baptist, and they don't want you around anymore. Wow, that's really sad that that is the position of the church. Thank you so much for sharing that. What about you, Slu? What you got? Um, I was born and raised uh, independent Baptist. Um, I come from a small town and everything, some very ignorant views and, and all of that. Uh, and like, I, I ended up, I don't know, I think I came out of, um, the, the time that I, I come out of religion and everything was whenever I was kind of giving up on faith as an epistemology. And, um, I'd say I was around when I was 24 or 25. It's, it's weird to look at it now because it's kind of like it all it seems like it all unraveled at once but still there was little things that that picked away at it uh over the years too um and i i went into to deism for a little bit and then um eventually i started to realize that like atheism is just the answer to whether there's a god or not whether and like i kind of thought i was agnostic for a minute and um then I realized that was a knowledge claim that you can be agnostic or gnostic of those things. Um, and it's a separate claim to that. So, I mean, long story short, I ended up basically transitioning to, to atheism and humanism and Satanism lined up with all of that. Uh, whenever I joined, um, the TST. So, so, for the people that are unfamiliar with it, would you mind explaining like what agnostic and deism? Deism, sorry, I can't say the word. That other word. Deism. That one. Yeah. Deism would be basically, um, I don't know. It was kind of the the point where I was thinking that there might still be something out there that's you know maybe something got that put everything into motion you know and just stood back from it. Uh, there's some higher entity out there, but I don't really know what. And it wasn't until I started listening to podcasts and things. And um, it, I mean, I started out listening to Secular Sexuality with Dr. Daryl Ray. And it's weird enough that, that that kind of drew me in because I had so many questions and was just so much that was suppressed um, in those aspects. So I had I'd started listening to that and then I'd started watching like the atheist experience and the women that were on at the time, Jen Peoples was one of them. And, and they brought up the same exact things that I was going through with deism. And it got to the point of like, well, if there is something out there, um, how would we determine that from nothing being there at all? And I'm like, Oh shit, I, I can't, I, I, how would you know if something just set things into motion you didn't so why would you come to that claim first because that's not how we work things out logically or reasonably in life so it just kind of unraveled from there like uh well 
yeah, I'm, I'm an atheist. Um, I can be an agnostic atheist. I, I almost consider myself Gnostic in that point of view, just for the fact that anything that we claim to know um, isn't within 100% certainty. Um, but it's what makes the most sense and, and lines up with logic and reason and everything at the end of the day. And that's the same boat I'm in with that. So why would I treat it any differently? So I kind of teeter between like agnosticism and Gnosticism with that. Cause it's like, no, I don't know for a hundred percent sure that this is right. But at the same time, we don't know that for anything. So why would I treat it any differently if it's such a minuscule thing? You know, so it sounds to me like what you experience is like looking at logic and for you, it's a very logical thing to arrive where you are. Thank you so much for explaining those things for people no that don't know. I appreciate it greatly. And so I'd like to talk about doomsday or wait first. Let's talk about fear-based theology. Did any of your religions ever follow a fear-based theology like was for example was it like if you did something like for us like the big one that they would say the mushmudingip and the himugi conscious like can you you have to think about whether or not you're going to make it into heaven we just don't know right like so there's like always this underlying fear of like whether or not you're going to make it into heaven did any of your religions follow that kind of fear-based absolutely Absolutely. Yes. My, minus the heaven part. Yeah. What was yours? Well, see, with, with Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe that only a certain amount of people are going to heaven based off the scripture and revelation. So they believe 144,000 are the ones that are going to go to heaven, whereas everybody else was going to be on the earth. And by everybody else, I mean only Jehovah's Witnesses, only baptized Jehovah's Witnesses, and only baptized Jehovah's Witnesses doing everything that their leaders tell them to do. <laughs> so. so, wow. So what about the children born into the, the church? They were considered, now when I was growing up, they were considered under their parents' protection, basically. So if their parents were baptized and in good standing, they would get in on their coattails, so to speak. But they, you know, a lot of religions, including Jehovah's Witnesses, like to use the um, whole age of reason um, argument. And for Witnesses, they've been kind of lowering that age lower and lower. And that's mainly just because their numbers are getting so low that they got to recruit people somehow because they can't convince adults, so they might as well convince children. So used to be when I was growing up, you would get baptized into the religion in your early to mid-teens. Now they're trying to get people in at like seven, eight years old. That's horrifying. Yeah. And of course, comes comes with that when you leave. You have all the shunning from your family. It could be your closest family member if you leave. They'll shun you, won't call you, won't email you, no contact whatsoever. Will they sit down and eat with you or write you letters or speak to you in any way other than to have you return to the ways of, you know, Jehovah? Now, they'll, they'll tell you that with family, your normal family relations continue, which 
is all a bunch of bullshit. About the only time they'll ever contact you is, A, for what you said about trying to get the person to return to the religion, or B, if, say, a family member dies or something like that. And But that's about it. Like, my wife's parents are still in the religion, and they don't contact us at all. That's terrible. So and one they of have, our Go oh, ahead. sorry. I was going to say, and they have three grandchildren, too, that they don't contact either. So shunning doesn't only affect, like, the person that left the religion. If you have children, it falls on the sins of the fathers rest on the children in that case. Correct. And my children were never baptized either into the religion, thank goodness. But my oldest now is 15, and then I have a 13 and a 6-year-old, so... There was one time in the last few years that my mother-in-law tried to contact my daughter, but it was try to, trying to get her to attend one of their events that they go to every year, which they, they do what they call the Memorial of Jesus Christ, where they basically commemorate Jesus' death. And basic, basically, you, uh, you Satanists will understand this, Jehovah's Witnesses basically do a version of Black Mass, where they reject the communion. So, except for the 144,000, if you believe you're one of those people, you partake. But if not, you just pass up, they have you pass it along and basically reject it. So, she, my mother-in-law tried to get my daughter to go to that, and they didn't tell me for a couple weeks that she had done that and I was pissed when I found out. Do you think that ties into like children are easier to brainwash? Like our listener said. Thank you. Oh, ab Colleen. Absolutely they are. I mean, you can you can tell a child just about anything growing up and because you're their parent and they by nature children trust their parents because that's how they survive. You know, that's where they get their food, their clothing, their housing, you know, everything they need. So why wouldn't you trust your parent? And so if you're a parent raising a child, telling them, hey, there's a sky daddy up there that's going to kill you if you don't follow X, Y, Z rules, then he's going to kill you. That child's going to do pretty much what that parent tells them to. And... That's why I think religions go for the children like that, because they're easier. So do you think that also ties into religions? That, like in, in my case, I grew up like learning a lot about like if if you don't do these things, then there's going to be which is like eternal fire and burning. Was, was that a thing that was taught in your in Jehovah's Witnesses as well? Any of no. you? Well, we, we weren't taught. We did not believe in eternal hellfire either. Um, but the big thing they used was fear of Armageddon. So Armageddon was going to be God's war to rid the earth of everybody else except, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses in good standing, basically. And if you look at the numbers of Jehovah's Witnesses, there's about eight and a half million of them around the world right now. So God's going to come in and kill everybody else except eight and a half million people. 
and they often term it in violent ways that he's going to do it and in their literature they produce they have graphic images of people dying and being killed at armageddon so they really instill that fear of dying at armageddon as a way of a control mechanism to keep them in wow Thank you so much for sharing all of that. We do have another commenter talking about, they've heard another XJW talk about parents using their children to try to leverage them back into the religion. Um, I, I think it, it's very common from my understanding of Jehovah's Witnesses that people use the children as a way to leverage their parents back like in, in my culture, like we were raised in a culture, I was raised in a culture where I was taught that to be born Amish is a privilege. This is a privilege. And for me to not conform to Amish standards is me taking my Amish heritage and throwing it at, at the feet. Like it's just throwing it. I am nothing. Like I, there is no hope for my soul. Have you yeah. ever heard of that? Um. The way that we were raised, they didn't put it in such specific terms like that, but they made you feel like you were privileged to be born into, you know, God's one and only true religion on earth. I'm sure nobody's ever heard that one before. <laughs> you know? No. And, and I mean, you haven't heard because obviously Jehovah's Witnesses are the one and only true religion. I mean, come on, guys. No, the Amish are the one and only. Oh true no, no, no! Jehovah's Witnesses were. You got to get this straight now. Hold <laughs> up! Let's hear from the Baptists. Uh, you guys just—you guys just weren't true Christians. That's that's what your problem was. <laughs> oh no, no! You no weren't doing things the right way. No you weren't following Scotsman the Bible, policy, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we all well, have our own little things, right? Where we're the one true. Wow. Interesting well, others. Well, um, Slew said it right there with the uh, fallacies. That's one of the biggest things that really started when I started learning about those that really started turning my tide towards atheism. And just like you, I watched the atheist experience and that I started off on that show. And then I went on to all the other shows, talk heathen, secular sexuality, all those shows. And when they started talking about logical fallacies and when Christians were calling in and given the same arguments and they just debunked them like that, I mean, Oh, not which, just Christians, all religions. Like it's well, yeah. almost, it's the same fallacies. Oh yeah, bored with it, uh, with the theistic religions. It seems. I, I just said Christians because that's the majority yeah. of the people that call those shows right. because of where it's at. But you're right. You're right. They have other religious people call too. Same exact fallacies. Same exact reasoning to get to where they draw their conclusions. But the problem is, they get their conclusions based off the premise that their religion is already true. And, and again, that's another logical fallacy. That's circular reasoning. And, yeah. uh, and when, when I started looking into logical fallacies and studying them a little bit and hearing them used over and over again, I'm just like, all these arguments are just a bunch of bullshit 
that hold no water. As soon as you spout out a logical fallacy, you've already lost your argument because you have no ground to continue on with it. And so, I have a question out of curiosity. Sorry to interrupt. How many people in this chat were raised creationists? Were raised with creationism or anything to do with Ken Ham being basically God? Oh no, not Ken yeah. Ham. So, not oh no, Ken, Ken Ham was basically amazing. like, and that's really that age where I was always into science and animal biology, going to college for things like that. Three thousand year old Earth. Oh my Ooh, God! Shit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so. Kim Ham decided he was going to leave his home of Australia and move to the United States and build an ark in Kentucky. Now, when he did that, that made him a good Christian. But when Jim Jones left the United States to build Jonestown, okay. that was a problem. And there's no right. correlation. Well, uh, <laughs> wow. Rupert Murdoch came here to build a media empire based off of the same shit. Like, that's that was fine, yeah. too. But, believe really it or not, though... Jehovah's Witnesses were more of um, older Earth creationists, not young Earth creationists. So that's interesting. So we we kind of believe that, like, and they they don't teach us so much anymore. But they used to say like, uh, creative day was like forty nine thousand years. So you know that. So it it kind of helped fit into what the science said about you know the time, even though it's nowhere near it, but. It was better than you know the six thousand year creationist you know and wow it's so funny didn't... because like um one of the books by daryl ray that i'd spoken about earlier was the god virus and he talks about how yep. religion kind of evolves over time to where it can take kind of one of one of two directions it can either shut people out from it and just stay to itself and try to build that way or it can go along with the cultures and things at the time and try to blend in and muddy the waters a bit and it'll grow that way instead sorry my dogs are barking in the background yeah. one of our listeners says they can't stand Kim, ken um and then corrects Hoban. anyways so well, they can't stand him well right, there there is one version of him I can stand is um, Dr. Josh Bowen's version of him. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> oh, you, you just have to see it to find out. He's, okay. he's great. He, he's a biblical scholar. I actually had him on my channel um, for my last video I did. And, if, and uh, if you go check that out at the end of it, he, he brings in his buddy which he does his impersonation of, but he, he does great with that. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. I'll have to check that out. So let's go back to do Baptists, because now we got to hear from the Baptists. Do the Baptists follow like a fear-based theology? Yes, absolutely. Yes, um, it's a two-stage. It, I'll it, be right it, back. It's got two stages to it. Um, the first is the, uh, if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, for the forgiveness of your sins, then you will burn in hell for all eternity. Uh, the, the second fear, though, is let's say you've done that and they can't convince you that you, you know, that you aren't saved in the first place. Then they, they dangle the idea that you're missing out on God's perfect will for your life. There's some kind of happiness within this lifetime and in the life to come that you're missing out on 
because you did not follow God's perfect will. Uh, and so there's always some kind of fear carrot that can dangle in front of you to try to get compliance from you. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That is like oddly, oddly familiar and oddly specific. And it feels really yucky. I don't follow those kinds of principles anymore. I mean, it was, it, it was very much a lot of fire and brimstone type of preaching and everything. Um, even though they like to try to shy away from that being their main point because of the evangelicism about it. Um, they're wanting to win souls to the Lord. That's, that's kind of how they, they don't want you to go to that place, but you're going to go to that place. Like if you don't do these things. Um, so yeah, it's, it's still very much. And I think that is one of the, one of the logical fallacies as well as Pascal's wager um, that they use, which is what you were speaking about earlier was uh, basically the fear of going to hell. Well, what if, but there's still a chance, right? There's still a chance that this hell exists. Well, there's a chance yeah. of that for all of the other religions as well. Um, it's just that you don't believe in those ones. You don't believe in those hells, but yours, that's the one, right? Yes. Uh, how yes. are you distinguishing that? You know? <laughs> and then, gets... like, who comes up with the rules that you have to follow? Right. Where do those rules come from? The arbitrary mind of whoever is holding the Bible at the time that they're speaking. Narcissistic really men, in other words. <laughs> okay, well, I, I can sometimes I can fix hold the Bible yep. upside down. I can fix the whole Bible in one, one line. In Genesis 1 1, I can change that line. In the beginning, man created God. Read the rest of the Bible from that viewpoint, and you'll understand it better. This is, that's an interesting concept to bring God, up. Thank you. God created man in his own image, and we appreciated it so much we returned the favor. <laughs> that's interesting, too. But you got to yeah, prove but... that God first. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, hey, guys, look. The only version of Hovind I can stand is the one in prison for tax evasion. <laughs> I wish we could get that version back. That would be my husband uh, who keeps making those comments. So you're welcome for that. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. It's a great that is comment. So, true. <laughs> um, so our, our next question is going to be, did your previous faith group believe in a doomsday teaching? How so, Bartimus? I see you nod your head. Uh, it, yeah, it's okay. So, uh, yeah. So the, the evangelical Christian believes that uh, with there will be a seven-year tribulation uh, that happens after all of us good Christians are raptured off of the earth, um, and then during those seven years, if you decide to become a Christian, you'll be killed by the Antichrist. Uh, and if you choose not to be a Christian, then Jesus will return on a white horse. A sword will come out of his mouth, and he will fill the earth with blood high enough to touch the horse's bridle of the horse he's riding on. Uh, so, yeah, there's totally totally a doomsday. So based off of visions, it's perfectly sane. From a 90-plus-year-old <laughs> man that was boiled in oil and then shipped off to exile. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, we had we had similar <laughs> religious backgrounds, so that, that covers Same. mine too. <laughs> you know, yeah. Same. What about you, Isaac? I don't think we really had a doomsday situation in ours. I'm honestly trying to remember. 
sometimes the actual specific beliefs get kind of muddled. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't born into a religion. I helped create a religion. Like I was the second in command and I was kind of abused into being that one. So sometimes I can't remember the specific beliefs we shared. <laughs> and I, I don't remember him saying there was a doomsday, but there was like a lot of stuff that was insane like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Was it so. fear-based theology? There was a lot of different theology. I was convinced into my position for fear. I was told that my family was going to die. I was told that I was going to be kidnapped and tortured. Um, he would like, I, I would hallucinate and he would like uh, spur on the hallucinations and stuff. I had this belief that I, if I wasn't like in my position in the hierarchy in this cult, then um, I would kill myself. Like he told me, he told me that's what was going to happen, like prophesizing the future and stuff. So it wasn't like, you're going to go to hell. There was no hell. It was like, it a was bunch like, of different little things just terrify me in my position. And then my job you, was to spread it to other people. So I used fear on other people, but I wasn't actually given fear. Like, like nothing was going to happen to my soul or something, you know? No, it's just you were going to be killed or your family was going to be killed. Yeah, that's how it started. Um, that's how it got that's, me in my position. Did you take anything to get those hallucinations at all? No, I was stone cold sober the entire time. Oh wow! Wow! <laughs> wow! There's no drugs in this cult, actually. One of the one of the few New Age cults that didn't use like hallucinogenics. Well, oh, I mean, the, 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 leader was on, the leader, the leader guys... was drinking cough syrup the whole time, but not me. So, did you guys <laughs> implement things like music and stuff into it the way that a lot of religions do? Um... We had rituals. Um, okay. We spoke in tongues. <clears throat> one of them. I, I used to, to speak in tongues and get other people to speak in tongues with me. There, um, I mean, there is a part where people can see uh, hallucinations and stuff just from being engulfed in into that, having people together with that same mindset and everything, and then um, practicing these rituals and things over and over again until you're almost exhausted. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if that, that hits anything with that yeah, or no, not. You're, you're I'm right. just curious. Like, so what, what he did was he would terrify me. It, it takes a long time to explain the whole story, so it'll be kind of broken up. Um, he would terrify me with various things and then he would keep me awake for nights on end with these kind of ideas um i couldn't sleep because of that and then we were doing all these rituals out in the swamp where we would like you know be trying to summon summon stuff i don't know if i can cuss on here <laughs> um feel free <laughs> okay so we would summon stuff and then i would be you know out in the dark God's watching you don't do it oh god oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> should i apologize like <laughs> On um, your knees. I'm just, I'm just in the closet. Here. I don't know what's happening. I don't think God wants me after some of the stuff that I've done. Um, so, like, and then I'd start seeing stuff because, like, I get these inclinations of like, oh, I, I see a scary shape over there, or like, I had sleep paralysis, and I'd see like something spooky, and I'd tell the leader because I trusted him, and he was like, oh, that's real, that's super real, and you should think about it harder, actually. Um, so he really spurred on my hallucinations to the point of being reality. Yeah, <laughs> he really, really was like, yeah, just, just, you know, just do that more. Um, so that was what kind of kept me there was I was hallucinating. And every time I talk about them, the leader would work it into the religion. Um, so it was a, it was a religion that was being formed with me almost at the top of the, the hierarchy. So a lot of the beliefs are so much more fluid because I had a lot more control over the beliefs than the average member of a cult.
thank you so much for explaining that. And I'm so sorry that he did that to you. That that was unacceptable. That is not the way that people should be treated. And, you know, motivating you by fear of murder of your family, that's a really powerful motivator. And then also sleep deprivation does I, a lot to people. I mean, um, I believe we call that duress, right? Yes, that's under duress. <laughs> that's not yeah. even like, that's, yeah. that's just horrifying and i'm so under, sorry he did that under to you. any other circumstances other than religion those that would be duress I it's amazing him. how that does it you know that but that's... i don't think i could sue him <laughs> yeah you don't think it's wet i don't think suing him would be viable but i've considered suing him because like if if it was happening now maybe but we were like just under 18 at the time and he has been to jail already and his record's been sealed so i don't really I don't know if it's worth it, to be honest. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I hope that someday you find, or even today, you might have like some type of like healing or even peace or resolution in your life. I really do. Because that's just, yeah, that's a lot. So, James, we haven't heard from Jehovah's Witnesses perspective. Do you have a doomsday? Well, our, our whole doomsday narrative was armageddon armageddon for the win that's right you know it's (laughs) gonna be god's great war to destroy everybody but jehovah's witnesses and you know they like i said earlier they keep they pound that into your head from the time you were born when let's put it this way i i don't have the uh book but on me right now but when i was a kid of course, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses produce a lot of all their own literature. We had this big red book. It was about yay big like this. And it was called Revelation. It's grand climax at hand was the name of the book. And it went from, it basically was a study of Revelation chapter one through Revelation chapter 21. And they had pictures in it to go along with their narrative of everything and you know, some of those pictures you'd see like uh, rock fire, rocks on fire falling from the sky, killing people in the city and people trying to hide from God's wrath to, you know, survive from it. And of course, you know, the narrative was even those people can't run and hide. There's nowhere they can go. They're going to all be killed anyways, because God's going to find them and kill them all. So when Armageddon comes, the safest plan is to find a Jehovah's Witness and just hug them because the rock can't hit the Jehovah's Witness. Well, I mean, they at least found the climax of the revelation, so there's that. (laughs) They did find the climax. (laughs) But I have a question. Like, here's here's the thing. Is there consent? Like, are you going to ask permission before you hug a Jehovah's Witness? (laughs) (laughs) If flaming we'll rocks are falling from the sky, I'm pretty sure I'm like, <laughs> we'll see, with, with Jehovah's Witnesses, they're very much an ends justify the means kind of people, so they don't care about consent. Oh my I god, I wonder if I, I have <laughs> Jehovah's Witness. Is there a sending... story designed just to get people to hug them, maybe? Hmm, maybe. They're, they're sending out letters now. I got a letter in the mail. From a Jehovah's Witness not that long ago. Yeah, yeah me that, too. Yeah, that, me too. I, I've gotten them too, which is really funny being an ex-Jehovah Witness. <laughs> Less handwritten and everything. I don't know. That yeah, it is because 
they're not going door to door because of COVID. So I'll give them credit for that. They're not going and spreading COVID, (laughs) but um, they're still trying to, you know, make their hours because they're, when they're knocking on your door, when they're writing you a letter, um, when they call you on the phone, they even have phone calls that they'll do. They are literally counting time for preaching because they have to report those hours to their leaders every month. And if you're not reporting those hours every month, you're not considered in good spiritual standing. And even at that stage, if you're not reporting hours like you and you got muted. Yeah, you cut out. Yep, he cut out. It we sounds can't. just like Christian-based Scientology is what he's describing. I think well, I, you know, James, I had I had trouble distinguishing between, and I still do at times, between Mormons and and uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. I know they they go by different theologies and In such, but it's just. <laughs> So the Mormons is like, to my understanding from my friend, uh, what I understand is they had this man named, I think his name was like Joseph or something. Don't quote me on that. But he went out and he, he, it's it's like a really, really young religion, like a hundred, a little over a hundred years old. Like he went out and he found these tablets and he did magic rocks and tablets. You know, like. Anyways, they're just they're just wild, and of course, you know, there's some Mormons that believe in like having multiple wives, which, you know, in my opinion, you do you. But as long as it is like consensual, but is it really consensual if you've been brainwashed to believe that for your entire life? That's right. yeah. And we have another comment says I grew up in a blue state around a lot of Protestants, Catholics, and Jews who thankfully showed me a much more balanced view of God than some of these extreme groups. Yeah, it kind of helps matters along if you see varying religions, doesn't it? It's honestly, it still makes me cringe a bit because they're going by the same book. They're okay. Like we would always accuse other religions of cherry picking the Bible however they wanted, right? Mm-hmm. But they were doing the same thing in our religion. Hey, James? Sorry, my I got a phone call, and then it cut out, and I had to go close out and re-enter the studio. Oh. Oh, man. Well, welcome back. So you so were saying... That, oh, sorry, James. Uh, I, before we move on, just on that comment, uh, one, of my, one of my greatest memories uh, was we, we had this muslim family in our community and they wouldn't eat during ramadan because that was their fasting season but the mother of the house always cooked because it was time to cook uh and so their way of kind of not not evangelizing not trying to spread islam but their way of, of ministering to their community was every ramadan they would pick neighbors and bring whatever supper the wife cooked to the neighbors um and so I believe you can have religion as part of an eclectic cultural item without necessarily being radicalized like we've seen so many of our religions that we came from today. That's a very good point, Artemis. Thank you. All right. Back to James. James was explaining to us how people have to report their field service hours, right? Is that right? Yeah. 
Yeah, because, because why? Because that is basically a gauge of your spirituality of, or, and of how strong of a Jehovah Witness you are. So at minimum, there, you want to put in about 10 hours a month of knocking on doors, writing letters, making phone calls, standing in line at the grocery store trying to convert the person in front of you. I mean, they, they want you to do it no matter where you're at, at work, at school, everywhere. I hate to interrupt, but like, did, did these things, um, did these get you rewards in heaven or like, that's kind of the way that the, the church I grew up in had was that you, you did these. So we, we had believed like that, that Jesus, you had to believe that Jesus came, died for your sins and all of that. And that got you into heaven, but there was rewards and stuff that if you did, uh, you know, you did all these right things and everything that would get you into heaven. And evangelicism was part of that. Well, again, remember, like I said earlier, only 144,000 go to heaven in the Jehovah's witness theology. So they, you wouldn't get like extra rewards or anything. You would, the ones who didn't go to heaven were to inherit the earth and make it back into a paradise. But they always would say you're gaining, uh, treasures in heaven you know so god's looking favorably upon you for the works that you're doing how so, how does that number work is that is that like i i mean you know new 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 people are born every day so is there a cutoff point where your religion just ends all <laughs> completely like i'm confused oh. on that aspect of it oh man that is such you opened up such a can of worms with that question <laughs> you really did I'm sorry. You really are. And here's here's the reason why, okay? Because they used to believe in a cutoff day, basically, for that number, okay? And also, let, let's, let, let me go back a little bit further. They believe that that number began after Jesus died. So, like, the people who died after Jesus that you know followed him or whatnot could be part of that 144,000. So we're going back 2,000 years of people that could be part of that number. Okay. Now, when the well, they were called Bible students at first. The Jehovah's Witnesses were called Bible students before they changed their name to Jehovah's Witnesses. They there's actually still a movement of Bible students, but that's a whole other discussion. But they used to teach that in 19. By 1935, that number for 144,000 was going to be cut off and sealed, right? Well, that didn't happen because then in 1935, Jehovah's Witnesses have what they call new light, okay? They take that scripture out of Proverbs about the light getting brighter. And basically, it's we were wrong the first time, so we got to come up with something new now. And that's how they keep the witnesses, even to this day, trapped into the religion. Wait, wasn't it, wasn't it Paul? Yeah, I mean, wasn't it Paul that thought that the uh, second coming of Christ was going to be within his time? Yeah. Like, I, I just see striking similar, similarities there with all that. Did they sing this little light of mine? I, I just want to know, like, when they changed this, like, did they sing that song? Because I feel well, like it would have been appropriate, or Jehovah, is that too Christian? 
Jehovah's Witnesses have their own songs. They don't sing any of your other false religious Christian songs. <laughs> no, no, we did the same thing in in Baptist. Like in our church, they did not like uh, what do they call that? Um, there was something about the music. Like if it wasn't, if it went against the heart rate or whatever, the timing and everything, then that wasn't Barnabas. Do you know what I'm talking about? I can't. Think the of the, the idea that was that when the when the beats per minute hit a certain ratio that something happened in the brain and caused you to gyrate. Yeah. And <laughs> then you would be moved with lust yes. to fornicate. Yeah. Really? Okay. Rock and roll came from well, rocking and rolling in your your car or whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah, it I was mean, all part of that. Okay, so we didn't have, like, inside of the Amish communities that I lived in, I lived in five different ones, right? As far as music goes, we didn't have some like maybe three of the communities or even four of them they allowed us to play harmonicas okay that was it we were not uh, not supposed to play harmonicas and sing along with it and the church singing (laughs) the church singing oh my god like the church singing we have two specific songbooks that are published by amish publishers and they're called the osband and the little singing book so the Osband is the big, thick church hymn book. And, like, we're not really supposed to sing too many of the outside worlds, like, you know, those those religion songs. Because it can lead to a funny hoc lava, which is like a funny belief for some reason or the other. We, we sang old hymnals. Syncopation was the, the term I was trying to think of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if, if, it, if it was syncopated then they didn't like it and even there were some older hymns that were syncopated that that the pastor that we had that came in um he didn't like that at all like he didn't yeah. like, he would not listen to anything other than than music that didn't do that i guess and then another thing was is like oh my god like we weren't allowed to inside of those five communities we were not allowed to harmonize like so that was considered like a terrible thing right and and then if we sang like well, old was, hymns so you're all just singing out of tune like to keep from harmonizing with each other <laughs> Does that well, mean my bagpipes are broke? Like that sounds like no, Demu- <laughs> I'm sorry. Demu- um, um, I don't even know how to translate that right now. I'll think about it and I'll let you know. Um, Look, we got somebody who's a one of the hundred forty-four thousand. <laughs> <laughs> what date? Like, let's get a census on please, this. <laughs> please enlighten me on what date we can expect this. Which one of the hundred forty-four thousand are you? <laughs> yeah. I'm the first one. I'm number six six six. They gotta be getting up there, right? Like that's all I'm saying is like 144,000 out of the world and everything. Well, well, no, because yeah. isn't isn't it based around? So what? Do you guys do you, do you guys evang- do you, do you spread this word throughout the world, or is this just for the United States? Oh, it's worldwide. Because isn't like all of this based on? Uh, it's 
weird. I don't understand it completely. It's like you've got the Bible, but you've also added these other things to it, which the Bible says not to do. But then you have people that are, you've got all this other stuff with it to where it's like these prophets or whatever, that they came to the United States and did these things here as well. I think you're thinking about the Mormons right now with that. Oh, that's where I freaking get confused. That's yeah. what I was just saying. I confuse the Mormons with the, okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, the, the witnesses don't believe in having prophets or anything like that. Because okay. that's all. That's all basically not in effect anymore. Because how know, do you we even have the know a, Bible? But the Armageddon is a prophecy. How would you? How? <laughs> yeah, I, I I wonder that myself. Okay. So I'm just wondering. Look, it just doesn't make any sense to sometimes. <laughs> um. So we have a comment that says the biggest mistake that JWs made as a religion was making predictions with hard dates in the near future. Would you agree with that, James? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, they, um, the most recent hardcore date that they made, and I say this because they actually published it in their literature was 1975. And that's a big uh, bone of contention with a lot of ex-witnesses. Now my parents lived through that one as well and so that was the last time they actually predicted an a actual date then later on they tried to say well by the end of the century by the end of the 20th century and now they just say it's going to come soon it's any time now it's just around the corner keep waiting keep anticipating keep doing everything we tell you <laughs> like a thief in the night right right yeah exactly right. like the, but don't worry. like the pangs of uh distress on a pregnant woman yeah exactly don't worry though because we're going to be this the first the sixth and the 666 and 71865 yeah. we we got this <laughs> we got this anyways welcome back lacy uh we have time i think for one more question uh did your previous faith group believe in world domination we were kind of talking about that a little bit. So I would think it's safe to say, did the Jehovah's Witnesses believe in that or no? Um, I guess in a sense you could say they did because they believed in everything becoming one world government eventually under their theology. So I guess you could say yes. What about you, Isaac? I was never specifically told to attempt world domination, but I think if I was told to do it, then there would have been a, like, yeah, I could an effort to try it. Um, like it, it, our recruitment process was more, um, my leader being like, I remember this person from past life. Um, we need this person for this specific reason. And then my job was to go after them, like get them in the cult basically. So like, we were just kind of picking random people. Um, at least it is what he was doing. That's that I didn't think that, but. I think if he yeah. thought he could have got got something from, you know, taking over the entire world, he would have tried it. And I think he's going to try at some point to do that. So look out for that. <laughs> wow. No, thank you. That's just wild, though. Like thinking about them taking over the world and all of that. That's wild. What about you, Lacey? Someone's going to kill him first. <laughs> Maybe. What about you, Lacey? Uh, what was the question again? Um, did your previous faith group believe in world dom domination? Um, like taking over the world, one world, one religious 
I'm not going to say no, but I'm not going to say yes. I feel like it was somewhere in the middle. The ultimate goal of my religion was to evangelize and spread the word. So yes, kind of, but non-violently. Like, okay. I don't, I don't know. That's kind of a weird, it was kind of an in-between like no, but yes. At yeah. the same time. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, would you, would you care to also chime in Slew and Bartimus? So there's two scriptures that the Southern Baptists uh, really push. The first one is the Great Commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, the second was when the world ended, it said that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, and so those were the two driving forces in proselytizing. Like if you were already a Christian and were trying to get you motivated to go out, and you were doing the will of God by winning more souls. Wow. So did you preach to the animals too? <laughs> <laughs> Said preach to every creature, right? Uh, exactly. But no, we did not preach to animals. Um, so you get attacked by a raccoon that you're trying to yeah, coerce. So you, can, and then... you can rebuke them in the name of God and invite you. Uh, so. Wow. Just, just wow. So, did you I, preach? What about armadillos or porcupines? Did you pray to? Did you preach to the porcupines? We did not. They were generally too prickly and abrasive to our message. What about black widows? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you your faith must not have been strong enough because that dude that went over to that island that that got shot by arrows and everything. That didn't stop him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, my, my faith was only the size of a mustard grain. <laughs> <laughs> and I moved mountains. <laughs> oh, okay. i tell you what, what opened my eyes to a lot of the Christian dominionism in my church and everything was a, there's a podcast called Straight, uh, Straight White American Jesus, I believe. And they talked about Christian dominionism. I'm like, holy shit, that never struck me as that's, it was. That's exactly what they were doing with the evangelical thing with it, and uh, the whole um, the whole structure of of wanting um, Christian people in our government and everything, and and all of that. That's exactly what that was running into. But it, it just never seemed that way while I was in it, and it it, it was it was weird to to hear hear it talked about, and then be able to put the like it, it just fit everything that i'd grown up in so it kind of helped you explain like what you believed what was your religion what was what you, you obtained from the culture around you yeah i mean hearing? yeah i mean i i know that mine wasn't the only sect of christianity that this pertained to either like uh, there's plenty of others. It's just, you know, how do they cherry pick that shit out to where it fits into their little narrative? Because even the, the, the verse that, that Bartimus gave, there's also verses where Jesus said not to evangelize these certain areas at that time. Mm -hmm. So it's like, did you, did you want to spread the message to the whole world or did you not? Because one verse is saying something completely different than the other. And, I mean, you could go as far into that as what you wanted as far as breaking down the history 
of the text and everything themselves because like the majority of the new testament you you don't there's nothing to back it out outside of that and everything seems like a, a rendition of the same little story well, that's really interesting you mentioned that because I was watching this documentary that's called Marketing the Messiah. Have any oh, yeah. of you watched that? And yeah. then I have another exclamation to make. Just imagine my shock and my surprise. Like, first off, like reading the Bible led to my beliefs like completely like deconstructing. Like they just completely blew up and changed and evolved over time. But then one of the things that was really, really shocking to me was to think about, one, that Jesus is not necessarily white. If you want to say that he existed, he was born in a country where people are predominantly brown. White people don't live there. And you should have seen my face. Oh, I, I was mind blown. Well, it's amazing, too, because we're talking about these religions that are saying that you're the chosen ones. No, the chosen ones were not the same color as us at all. Like, how do you even get by that part of it to say that that uh, you're chosen? How? Uh, I have to be chosen. If you disagree, I want to see a man again. Yeah, but, but God is not partial, remember? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Oh, but he is. Aren't we not supposed to question God? Abraham did. Really? Yeah. Remember uh, Sodom and Gomorrah? Are you telling me that if I can't find 50 righteous in the city, you still destroy the city with the innocent with the guilty? Of course, let's, let's not continue on with that story and to its finality with Lot and his daughters in the cave, okay? I, you know, okay. Any, <laughs> anymore, Why don't we talk about the drunken father in the tent, okay? Anymore, <laughs> I even see it as like, it, it's almost like an ult the ultimate comedy. The, the scriptures to me just seems like this big comedy of this all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, you know, entity that has created things to purposely piss himself off. Like, how the fuck, why the fuck, why would you ever do that? It makes no sense at all. Like, he's created his own rules to things that he could have easily not created. He could have put more in that were more beneficial to mankind to begin with. But he didn't. He did all the things to piss himself off and then take it out on the people that that he created. It, it's it just, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, when you start looking into oh, it. But so, oh, yeah. Like, and well, when you Jesus put it that came. way. But then you Jesus put it that, came. Sorry. sorry. I, I have to say this. When Jesus yep. came, he died for everybody. Oh, but he didn't come to... Uh, to contradict the law or anything he came to enforce that shit right because that's in there as well in our version it said that the new testament came and and that changed everything and now we should only follow the new testament which is always confusing to me because you know um you're you're using verses from the old testament and using them to justify mistreatment of people or even justify the clothing rules you have in effect today but anyways, um, we're almost at time, and Lacey had something to say, if you want to go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say, if you wanted to compare the Bible to a, a comedy of an entity pissing himself off, just go on Disney Plus and watch The Eternals, because that's basically what that is. I've never seen that. 
just a Marvel comic book movie. It's just basically yeah. that in a nutshell. A creator pissing itself off to torment the things it created. So, yeah. You know. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Do y'all have any parting words for our listeners? Um, and can we come back and do another one where we continue with these questions? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This, was, this was fun. Yeah. yeah, this is great. And we have a whole list of questions for the next one. So we're going to schedule that and we'll see everybody next time. I hope everybody's having a um, fantastic day. I, uh, can I plug my podcast? Go ahead. I don't, to, um, I don't want to steal your thunder. I feel like I've been asking questions too this whole time, but I just, I'm just so curious about No, go ahead. Plug everybody. your podcast. Um, I got the Skeptical Satanist. It's on YouTube right now i've got um i've got a patreon i haven't done much with it and i'm trying to get it started back up again COVID and things it's put a damper on everything and mental state and all of that as well but um i'm working on getting it back up again and uh i hope you guys like and subscribe to it and check it out um i'm really glad to be on here and this has been awesome being able to talk to you guys say, say the name again of that again the skeptical Satanist. And for those who are unaware, James can... also has a podcast as well. Okay. Yep, I do. My uh, my channel is uh, Former Two Free XJW. The no it's number two in the middle. Um, I talk about um, I talk with other XJWs and how they journey out of the religion. Um, I've done some videos on logical fallacies. Um, I talked to this crazy Amish lady one time, but she was pretty cool in the end. <laughs> I don't and, talk smack. Look, no, I'm good. No, I'm no. a good Amish no. person. I do want to, I do no. want to like plug I I do want to plug one more thing and that's uh recoveringfromreligion.org and yep. well seculartherapy.org. They're very good. Um if people are questioning their their faith and everything and, and are are really confused or trying to trying to find answers to things, I would definitely recommend to, to check them out. And if you're having trouble finding a, um, a therapist in your area that isn't, uh, isn't kind to religious trauma and stuff you might be experiencing, I'd, I'd recommend seculartherapy.org as well. Thank so. you. And on that note, are we ready to say goodbye? Bye folks, have a good day.